Hope with Depression, the podcast. The echoes of the illness still run through me. Though its face I no longer see, I can still recall its words down to a T. Incessant demands to carry on through, endless rituals I had to do. No longer hiss in my ear. And I can honestly say I no longer live in fear of not surrendering, because it's all pretending. It's all made up lies with made up consequences, which I will no longer play imaginary with. Have I been too passionate and angry? I don't want to get no, angry. No, don't be Should silly. I cut any of this no, out? No, I love oh, it. No, I- Mental health matters a lot. Her taking her own life, I think, has affected a lot of people. I think it shook everyone oh, up. And, and all different ages as well. And, yeah. and if anything good comes it's from It's right this, to talk about it, isn't it? If, of yeah. course it is. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. you can't shove it under the carpet and no. hope that it will go away. No, well, well the um, thing is, it's not going away. I, I think it's fair to say we're at a crisis point. Yes. Hello, welcome to episode four of Hope with Depression. Today uh, on this podcast, I'm joined with the author of the book and the whole Hope brand, Lynn Crilly. Hello. Hiya. And her lovely daughter, Sam. Hello. Hello. If you've been kind enough to listen to our previous podcast, you know this is uh, this is all based on real life experience from Lynn. And Sam shares her real life experience. And we think it, it, the more real this is, as I say, there's no ghostwriters, there's no actors. We're making none of this up. Uh, some of the quotes will be voiced by actors to protect our contributors' privacy. But apart from that, this is all real. This is all 100% real. Definitely Uh, real. And the thing that is forefront in my mind today is that tragic story of Caroline Flack. I think it's in the forefront of everyone's mind. First thing I want to say is we're not jumping on it to promote this. This is not a money-making exercise, hope with depression. And it's not been received that way by people. I don't think anyone's interpreted us in in doing it that way in fact it's been very well received received with relief actually oh god thank you i'm not the only one i'm not going mad which is one of the whole points of this podcast you you can hear the passion in my voice already that this is not some marketing thing this is real but i think it's real because we've all suffered in some way so we're we're all compassionate and we understand it and um we yeah. do, yeah, one one hundred percent and we don't want anyone to suffer so if there's one thing we can do to even make it a little bit better. Some of the alleviate some to, to point you in a better mm. direction, to give you resources. You know, we will do that. The Samaritans say it's not good to speculate on the causes of why something like this happens to someone. So to respect Caroline and her family, who must be going through unimaginable grief. And, you know, she's on telly right now. Her picture's all over the place. I mean, she looked like the girl that had everything. She is a beautiful woman. I mean... And to the outside observer, yeah, it, she was the, the the woman that you that everyone wanted to be, like young, yeah. Young she had everything. She had everything. Yeah. Well, or so it was perceived. Yes. That you don't know what no, is going on. No, you don't on. know what's going on behind closed inside. Doors. You do not know what's going on inside. So, where do we start this? I, I think. Well, I think you've addressed the issue that, um, you know, obviously it it was a shock, um, but obviously it's come from a place of her own darkness that obviously she couldn't have the strength to challenge bless her or didn't feel that she could actually talk to someone about it which led it to where she is now well that's the first thing that i mean the first intention i had with this podcast is three words talk. three words writ loud across the sky you're not alone yes okay. definitely. one one six one two three there's a number for you that's the number of the samaritans they don't give advice they're there just to listen y- you must reach out you must talk to somebody I saw, I've been screenshotting Facebook. I was going through it last night looking for looking for relevant things. And this shocked me. But 
the thing is, choose who you talk to maybe a little, a little carefully, because not all people are trained counsellors. There, there, there is a knack to counselling. There is a knack to being a therapist. And if you just talk to the man or woman in the street, of course, talk to a close mate or talk to who you want to. But other people might be going through their shit as well. Mm, uh, the reason I'm why sure I say that are. is I saw this. This was an Instagram post shared on Caroline's. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. I wanted to write something about Mental Health Day last week, but I was knee-deep yes, in work. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, and so, do you think it's... Is it, is it appropriate to share this? Um, yeah, yes, it is. It, I mean, it's appropriate to raise awareness of anything that's, mm. you know, going to ha- hopefully yeah, help I, someone gonna, somewhere, I, even if it's only I'm one gonna person. I'm going to do it. And do you know what? It. If we get trolled yeah, for I was, this... It, I, was, it, it, I was a bit shocked when I, when yeah. I saw it. Yeah, and I'm going to come on to trolls in a minute. So if you want to troll me, go ahead. I don't give a shit. I wanted to write something <laughs> about Mental Health Day last week, but I was knee-deep in work, and some days it's hard to write your feelings if you're not in the right place. The last few weeks, I've been in a really weird place. I find it hard to talk about it. I guess it's anxiety and pressure of life. And this is the sad bit. And when I actually reached out to someone, they said I was draining. This is why some people keep their emotions to themselves. Mm. I certainly hate talking about my feelings, and being a burden is my biggest fear. I'm lucky to be able to pick myself up when things feel shit. But what happens if someone can't? Be nice to people. You never know what's going on. Ever. Maybe that was a call for help. I think yeah, I think it was a help. call for help, but you know, obviously, there's two sides to every yes, story. Yes. So whoever it was that she did reach out to, perhaps it wasn't in the right time, the right space, the right environment, whatever. Yeah. So you, you know, you have to remember that there is always two sides yes. to every story. That person, whoever it was, must be feeling pretty rubbish today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ooh, just quickly, yes, there was an interview with Mike who took his life from... He was a contestant on Love Island. And, well, it's three um, now from Love Island, isn't it? Yeah, yes, that's three. Mm. And uh, there was a, he was on with a contestant called Montana and they were interviewing Montana after he'd taken his life and he'd text Montana a couple of days before he took his life just saying, hey, gal, how are you? And she was, like, so gutted because she didn't text back. Not because mm. she was just busy. She just mm. said, I'm bad on my phone. I just didn't think any... You know, I just forgot. We all do that. Yeah. Yes, but you, of course you, we do. you never know when it might be a desperate cry yeah. to help. You know, we, we yeah. are we are all busy. We are all rushed. We are all stressed. We we don't mean to be nasty if we don't yes. if we don't text back. Yeah. But I, w- I would say, and perhaps this is another purpose of this podcast. Yes, do reach out one hundred percent. Tell a close friend. Uh, tell tell someone you trust. But make sure they've kind of got the qualifications to do it, mm. even if it's the Samaritans, 116123, or, or a therapist, or a doctor. Mm. I think we've all uh, become products of modern life yeah. and um, and the way society is today. That I think we, uh, you know, to me, I mean, obviously I write my books and work with a lot of people, and, I, and I'm busy, and people try, you know, and I am busy. Sure. But I think just recently I'm beginning to realise that you know time is the biggest gift of all um and and time is something that sadly very little of us actually do seem to have to be compliment to you mum um (laughs) mum is is so so busy but i've if i've ever had a problem you've always made time for it oh thank you like you could be running through the day and if i say mum i've got to talk to you you're there straight away. Yeah. Well, that, makes you, that, well, that, makes, well, that makes you an incredible mum. And yeah. I've, I've said that from day one. I, I don't know how you do it. I do not know how Me you do neither. it, then. But then I think, you know, I, obviously I work with a lot of um, kids and 
I see, you know, I'm quite glad now that you and Charlotte are 28 and you've both got lovely, Charlotte's got a lovely husband and you've got a gorgeous yeah. fiance. Charlotte is Sam's twin sister, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Charlotte, and she's lovely shout too. Out. Um, <laughs> yeah, shout out, Charlotte. Um, big up, Charlotte. Big yeah, up, big Charlotte. Up. Big up, girl. Um, anyway. Yeah. I, I'm glad they're 28 and that obviously when Sam started or sort of got into the first stages of her mental health challenges, um, the internet was relatively new and I think you, you just had a little Nokia with a where you just sent a text message or a phone call and um, all you had was Bebo, I think it was, wasn't yeah, it? Bebo, You yeah. know, whereas now I see the young kids of today and they're like ad- addicted to their phones or they've mm. got this fear of misophomo, I think it's called fear of missing out yeah. um, syndrome. And, you know, they're constantly comparing themselves or feeling inadequate to that, what's yeah. in front of them on the screens. That's what's... That's what's so surprising about Caroline Flack is that she was that person that all the kids would look up to. She hosts yeah. this big TV show that all the kids watch. You know, she she posted all these pictures on beaches and and then she's suddenly gone. I know, obviously, she went through through what she's been through. Um, but still, she's the person that you would want to be and then she's gone. But and, she yeah. had one... I mean, obviously, we don't know what went on behind closed doors, and I don't think any of us are in a position to comment. And it's not appropriate. But, for, and for it's us not appropriate that. either. Mm. But you, you know, she she was flying, and or so it looked like she was flying high, and she made one mistake, mm. and and yeah. everyone turned. You and know, this, and, it shows right. you how fickle right. people and are. This, and this is what I want to come on to judgmental. because we had a little proj- a little production meeting in the kitchen um, here at the radio mm. station. Over a cup of moment. tea. Over a cup of tea, you know. Cup best, of tea, best cup decision, of second best decisions made over mm. tea. First best mm. ones down the path. Um, but well, first thing I want to no, say I is... I like my tea. Oh, and no, I like beer. <laughs> uh, but, first thing to say is... Trolls, media. Mm. It's like when you see the lion chasing the pack of gazelles, they never go for the strong one. They always go for the weak one, the wounded one. It seems that when we're perceived to be flying high and strong, we're okay. But then the vultures start circling as soon as they see weakness. Mm. Yeah? The shark would smell the blood in the water and then go in for the wounded, for the wounded creature. Why, 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 why do we have this kind of law of the jungle in a so-called civilised society? How fucking civilised is that? I'm actually not going to cut that out because I feel really strongly Mm. about this. How civilised is that? How civilised is it to pounce on the weak ones? Where was the awareness that she needed help? Where are the mental health authorities, which is true authority, which is based on understanding and compassion, which rather than dragging her into court, where were the people that could recognise that she's saying, my God, she's having a really bad time at the moment. How can we help? Mm. How can we serve? What are we going to do? Oh, we'll just give her a criminal record. And also, I was listening to a solicitor on LBC last night who who was acquitted, but he, he faced a legal case and it nearly destroyed him. Yeah. The, the stress, yeah. the stress, I've seen it happen to a friend of mine, the stress of being in court. He said it was the worst day of his life. So, mm. wait a minute, someone's stressed and ill, so we've got a system that stresses them even more. Mm. We've got a media system that wants to pounce and create mm. cruel headlines and mm. tittle-tattle, yeah, mm. and shame publicly in front of as many people as they possibly can to sell papers... The mm. the line, the mantra, If it, I've worked in media for 25 years, the line, if it bleeds, it leads, it's still big today. In other words, bad news sells. Yeah. Bad news sells. Bad but at sti- what expense? Obviously yeah. the expense oh, yeah. of Caroline's life. Yes, 
mm, and, 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 wrong. and you have nailed it, girl. At what expense? How many more people have to suffer this? There's a petition that's come <sighs> out, guys. Um, Excuse my language. I think I'm it's sorry. on change.org. Um, there's a petition come out that I think quite a lot of people have signed already to um, for the government to take action into what what the media had what 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 the media had had an influence so, on. Or yes. What, what contributory factor the yes. the media yeah. had on Caroline actually um, being driven so hard to actually go to the lengths of taking her own life? I think life. a massive one as well was the trolls because oh, talk about trolls yeah because she posted on Instagram saying I've been advised not to go on social media and probably uh, an aspect of that was to not read what everyone is saying. Mm. Yeah. Yes, because it's hurtful. But, you know, but then they're judging. People are saying things and they don't actually know the whole story. Yeah. No, they don't. You know, none of us know the whole story. No, so how, how we, we can are we not, comment? We are not in a privileged position enough to be able to comment. All mm. we can do is what we can do and offer a hand of compassion and do what we can do. I can do radio, so I can, I can, I can articulate things, I can bring them to life, I can point people to resources. You write books. Sam, you are just full of insight through personal experience. We do mm. what we can do. And if everyone did that... I, I see some of the comments that people write. I saw some of the comments that people wrote on her Instagram and when they are hating on people in the, in the media... I'm, I don't understand where these people are. Why would you say things like that? Some of the stuff yeah. they say. I'll tell you where these people are. I'll tell you where mm. these people are because there was, a, there was a documentary on trolls, which I'll talk about in a second. Now, before I go any further, I'm not having a go at the police. Any encounter I've had with the police has been 100% professional. I cannot fault them. Yeah, I've got friends who are police officers, you know, they're, and they're human beings too, by the way. Yeah. And that's kind of the message mm-hmm. of all of this. We've all got feelings. We're all human beings. You wouldn't like someone talking to you that way. And what happened to that do unto others thing? The police have to enforce a certain set of laws. But where's the understanding behind, behind the laws? Where's the understanding that people don't necessarily need criminalising? Where is the understanding behind the laws they have to enforce? This is the conversation that has to be had. In Portugal, they don't treat people, and they're having massive success with this. People that are addicted to drugs in Portugal aren't thrown into prison. They treat it as a medical problem. They treat it with kindness. They treat it with compassion. The authorities are, in a sense, there to serve these people. And guess what? These people are getting their lives together. They're having a massive, massive success with it. Why don't we look mm. around the world at what's working and model that? Mm. Sod all this Brexit shit. We want our own laws. <laughs> what about things that actually work? What about things that are actually based on understanding, things that are based on compassion, things that are based on our but, humanity? But do you think things have got lost along I'm the really way? I'm really angry. I feel like we've all got lost along the way. Yeah. And the media's got lost and we're all trying to... I did some work in Feltham, Young Offenders Institution, which is a local prison in this area for young people, young offenders. And I was doing some radio work with them. They wanted to start a radio station. Basically, there'd been a very high suicide rate within the prison and a kind local person has said, this has got to stop. Uh, let's do something about it. So he donated a radio desk or something like that. It was a story similar to that. And I went and they got in contact with me. I was working for a different radio station at the time. And um, I met this screw, for want of a better word. His name was Bob, Bob Clements. And he was the most lovely man, but there was a difference about him for any of the other... What is the word they use, the non-slang word? Wardens? Guards? Prison guards? 
I don't screw. Uh, it is screws, I think. All right. Oh, right, we well, use the word bit. screw. It, it, yeah. It's the slang. But anyway, he was different from all the other screws. They were perfectly decent people. You know, decent working men. You know, nothing, nothing wrong with them. They weren't monsters. Far from it. But Bob was special. He first of all, he would refer to the inmates. He wouldn't call them prisoner inmates. He referred to them as kids. The kids. I don't think it's going too far to say he was almost the father figure they never had which is possibly why they ended up there, with a lack of a good role model. He would do radio with them. He would involve them in things. He was genuinely fond of them. He was genuinely fond of them. And they were fond of him. They called him by his first name. There was no, none of this sir or sort of that sort of thing. They called him Bob. Bob. And the relationship they had, I've never seen anything like it before. You would not expect a relationship like this between a screw and an inmate. Mm. And it was... I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. And it was, it was almost magical to watch. And the way they responded to him... So, again, if you don't criminalise people and you treat people like human beings, mm. you might be very surprised the response you get back. And I will add that he was the only screw who had not been ever attacked, not even once in his whole tenure there. There's another mantra there. You treat people how you want to be treated yourself. Mm, where have I heard that before? Just wanted to throw something in quickly. My fiancé has just started working on a mental health unit. Oh. And, and uh, he's very much the same. He he never judges people. He's very humble. He... Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, uh, he's had a couple of them say to them, you know, you treat me like I'm a person. Right. And, you know, they call each other mate. He calls them mate. He calls them dude bruv. or bruv, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. um, whatever goes with he's, the flow. He's another Bob. He's continuing Bob's yeah. legacy. Yeah, he is. And, he uh, is. and I think uh, one of them was... Shout out to Jay. Shout out to Jay. One yeah. of them, bruv, one of them was, play, uh, one of them was playing up. And, um, and I think... He said so one of the he said, you know, all right, mate, I'll, I'll be quiet. And Jerry's like, you're not my mate. And this guy took it really personally. He was like, I'm not your mate. And he got really upset about it. Mm. And Jay was, and that just showed that he actually had respect for Jay. And that, yeah. that, that he was like, oh, hang on, I don't actually want to upset you. I actually yeah. want to just get along with you, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. Um raises a lot of um sadly bob's no longer with us by the way which is really oh, sad I'm, in peace. I'm, I'm, i met um, some friends of his just by series of coincidences and, we, and the, it was a guy that worked in the fire service and they all sort of worked together like the fire the police the, you know the local services worked together we just started talking about bob and had this massive conversation about this incredible man mm. bob clement I, I wouldn't mm. he's you could make films about him starring robin williams it's another patch adams or a dead poet society it's it's one of those he he are oh, there, there was a magic to bob we need more bobs in this world mental health matters a lot trolls i saw a documentary on trolls what do you think a troll looks like these people that spit venom at people probably someone weak oh yeah hugely also go on i always look on who's posted what uh, uh, something really nasty and it's always someone with like two followers one picture they're hiding mm. behind it then they're not willing to mm. show themselves right so let me that's okay so they've got shame issues i say positive things about people online they say positive things about you build networks that way mm. you make friends that way oh mm. wait a minute that's social media not anti-social media. They did this documentary on trolls and he was a pathetic excuse for a human being. Like you say, mm. Sam, a really weak man. The impression of a troll, I get, is a very weak man uh, with very low self-esteem, very little self-value, sitting up in his mother's spare room on his cheap Tesco's yep. laptop, in his underpants, touching himself inappropriately and spitting venom at whoever he fancies. This was a, I did a load of screenshots last night on you know lots of people in the industry, lots of people that knew Caroline, and it's hashtag be kind. Think mm. before you tweet. Your, your words do have an effect on people. Of course they do. It's powerful. And mm. we all have feelings. We're all human and we can mm. all suffer. 
and we can all feel pain and we all face the same aspirations, hopes, dreams, fears. That is the human condition. That is a common humanity. One of our wonderful interviewees who are here later on in this podcast, I think it was Catherine Kell. Uh, the mindfulness teacher, yes, and she touches lovely. on that. She is lovely, and she says we've all got a common humanity. What happened mm. to honouring our humanity? I think it's got lost. People don't do it anymore. Well, so some people do, of course they do, but I, I don't know. I, I'm worried for the future. I think we're so it does concern me. The rat race, aren't uh, we? Yeah, yeah. Um, and what? Yes, I think everyone's so wrapped up in what they should be rather than what they actually are. Yeah. As you can tell, I've been quite affected by this. We can, Neil. Yeah, uh, I really feel strongly about it. Um, and if one person heard these words and it stopped... Is there hope with depression? ...taking their own life. Do you want to give There's the always hope with depression. number again of the Samaritans? For the Samaritans, yeah. yes. Uh, one, one, six, someone... one, two, three. Also, by the time you hear this, there'll be a Hope with Depression resources page up. Uh, it'll list all the therapists that we are interview that we've interviewed so far, and the ones that are coming up. Uh, we've got nutritionists, mm. therapists, all things that can help with depression. It's hopewithdepression.com forward slash resources. Okay, and there's a list of all these people. They're all open to be contacted. Should we give out the Hope with Mental Health Facebook page oh. and also Hope with Mental Health Instagram? Okay, if you're reaching out for help, uh, it's all on the resources page. Hopewithdepression.com forward slash resources or you can head on over to Hope with Mental Health Facebook page Instagram page there's lots of positive stuff on there um, lots of positive affirmations go up there is also um, people talk to each other underneath some of these underneath some of the comments and stuff and they please do go over you're not alone it's a, it's a positive page you're really not mental illness Very is so positive page. isolating Yes. And think about this. How many people suffer from depression worldwide? Something like 3.8 billion or something? Yeah. There's 3.8 billion people in a world full of billions of people who all think they're individually alone. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? You're not alone. Reach out for help. Please. Please do. Hope with depression. I'm Neil Long. I'm Lynn Crilly. I'm Samantha Crilly. Coming soon on Hope with Depression, the podcast. An hour of hypnosis a week, which put, would put you completely back in balance. Is there hope with depression? Always. There's always hope with depression. Our special guest is Dion Curtis, Curtis. coming later. Very, very close friend of mine. I love Dion. Aren't you, Dion? She's great. Um, She's an NLP. Many years. She's an NLP, neuro linguistic programming Mm -hmm. practitioner, and a hypnotist as well. We're not good one at that. Oh yeah, we're not talking about stage hypnosis where you make people dance like chickens mm. this is therapeutic hypnosis it does have value i've got a fantastic and insightful interview coming up with dion towards the end of this podcast and you'll find her on the resources page as well uh, let's move on to what to what you brought in today if, if you are suffering from depression or you think you are this will help you maybe at least self-diagnose again always seek professional advice but there's different types of depression aren't there Lynn? i think there are different types of depression which we were going to cover the individual ones today but i think with dion's interview and also the caroline flack um bit i thought it would be we're going to cover that again next week the different times but first of all obviously there's different different levels of depression there's um and i wanted to cover those and also um the sort of more clinical depression and also the situational depression so it might help you to determine perhaps if you are feeling low or you're feeling down and and you felt like that for quite a while it might actually help you to determine perhaps what kind of depression you may have and each kind of depression has different solutions as well so we're going to offer some different solutions solutions can come to 
different people, everyone suffers it differently. Sometimes it can just be making life changes or... But, I mean, there are varying levels of depression and these can be classified as mild, moderate or severe. The precise cl classification can also be based on many aspects, which can include the type symptoms displayed, how they are experienced and the level of impact they have on someone's day-to-day -day life. So... Um, you know, obviously mild depression, while mild, moderate or severe describes the depth of someone's depression, other labels may be given that could relate to the potential root of a person's illness. Take, for instance, situation, that, and they are called situational and clinical depression, are very similar, but not the same. Being able to recognise the difference between the two can be the first step towards getting the right help. Now, situational depression, also known as adjustment disorder with depressed mood, this is often short-term and is usually very responsive to therapy or life changes. Whilst clinical depression can also be known medically as major depressive disorder, this can be a more severe mental health condition. Knowing some of the main differences between situational depression and clinical depression can help to decide the type of treatment the person requires and the severity of their illness. And it's always important to remember that no kind of depression is more real than the other. They both can cause significant challenges and threats to the sufferer's well-being. So that's a good academic definition, which we need to do. It need, I, I believe it does need a good clinical definition. So let's take situational depression. Let's just, can we use a real-life example of maybe someone that had Situational depression yeah, can be it. triggered by a, a specific event, such as bereavement, divorce or the loss of a job. It can be classed as... And it can also be called reactive. The feelings of lethargy, sadness and hopelessness are very real and can really affect the, and interfere in the life of someone who is battling this kind of depression. So that's any so life change, someone, loss of a relationship, um, loss of a job, yeah, loss of a loved one, I loss mean, of a pet, it maybe. Seems to be yeah. a, a a pet, yeah. I see a lot of people, perhaps, obviously, I'm mid-50s now, um, and I see a lot of people being made redundant at the moment. Mm. And, you know, particularly in, in our age group um, and amongst people that I know, and I can see especially, well, not just for men, but women as well, but men, you know, when they've been working full-time for, you know, 30-odd years in the mm. same job and they support a family and then all of a sudden they're out of a job and they can feel this can affect them quite... I have a question. Yes. Um, could... So say nothing's actually happened, there hasn't been an event that has triggered it, it could just be maybe that, that you need to change something that's already there. So you could be just doing your normal life and then maybe it's not enough anymore or you need a change. Could that, could that be something that you could get out of that situation sort of thing and change it? Does that make sense? Situational depression is, is more linked to specific life oh, events, okay. whereas yeah. clinical depression oh, is I often the phrase, used, the phrase used to describe depression that cannot be clearly linked to a life event or oh. situation. It may also be known as major depressive or disorder or, made, or major depression. This can be a long-lasting illness that may call for long-term help and support. A traumatic life event can play a part, but other factors also come into play, such as someone's biological and genetic makeup. So, right. which right. sometimes There's I think some people are more... Susceptible. Yes, to any mental illness, not, not just depression. 
and then obviously mild, moderate, there's a, there's a lot to and there, severe mm. are the levels of depression that people can have. Obviously, severe depre- severe is more clinical based. Um, embedded, more embedded. Embedded, yeah. Yes, that's a good word, Sam. Thanks, yeah, Mom. More, more embedded. I've learned a lot in um, that time. Have you? I think we all have. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. I mean, my mum once said to me, you know, you have to have bad days to have good days. And I'll always remember that. Um, and I think once the bad days start, start to outweigh the good days, it's really good to be mindful yourself of how you're feeling and perhaps what's actually going on. Because sometimes for some people, just making simple lifestyle changes, you know, perhaps go, going back to the gym or, you know, trying to get some more sleep or eating differently or perhaps making the effort to go out and meet some friends or... For example, uh, a friend of mine... Um uh, she was feeling very down and, and um, she wasn't happy with where she was and what she was doing and she actually went to the doctors to perhaps go on antidepressants and we just said, hang on, why don't you just try changing a few things? If you still feel um, like you need a bit of help, then maybe, you know, start thinking about antidepressants. So this would be a good example of a yeah. mild situational depression. Yes. yes. And what yeah. ha- a perfect Sam. And what happened? And, and what uh, did she do? She changed she changed it. She uh she started another job. Um she set up her own business. It took time, but it worked. But she made herself go out and meet people, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, she she pushed mm. herself to mm. go out and meet people and she started going mm. to the gym and she's on top of the world now. Yeah. So so that's the perfect scenario of someone that you know. But obviously, they she found the strength herself. Yeah, to, and it's not, um, yeah, and it's you know some people it's not always easy. easy yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it's fair to say that to was relatively speaking. Um, not that I'm uh, minimising her experience. That was a relatively mild case, wasn't yes, it? Very yeah. true. S- very solved true. by simple. I mean, it's always the basics: sleep, food, sociability, yeah. exercise. You know, just just the things that your your parents you tell know, you to and, do. You and know? Medication. Um, I'm a huge believer that medication can help and, and can play an important part in recovery so long as it's um, prescribed in the right dose and in the right way. Um, so, you know, obviously there is medication normally comes hand in hand with something more like clinical depression and severe me- depression. Um, so, you know, obviously, and then obviously if you do lose someone to and you, you're grieving, you need to, rather than find yourself on medication it's quite often that you need to go through the grieving process to be able to come out the other side but you know obviously that can trigger a mild form of depression or maybe moderate um you know again we're all so different and we're all made up so differently and we all experience life differently and uniquely to ourselves so you know there is no one size fits all so we've covered mild with sam's friend and that was solved by simple lifestyle changes. I think so, I had moderate depression. And then what did you do to get out of that? Um, took me a while. I did end up on medication. Mm. Um, did you find the medication helped? It helped. Um, it did slow me down. I think I was on probably on hindsight and knowing all what I know now is probably on too high a dose. Mm. Um, but I definitely needed it at the time and it definitely did help. Um it was once I, I sort of 
lowered the dose that my head began to clear, which then en enabled me to be able to get back in the gym, go out for walks, perhaps, you know, make an effort and go and meet a friend for coffee. You know, I'm very blessed to have some really good people around me. Um, but I did shy away from all of that. I wasn't sleeping during the night and then I'd sleep during the day. So... I sort of changed my whole sleeping pattern. Right. Um, so for you, it was lifestyle changes. And medication. And medication, yeah. which would seem appropriate for, for moderate. But again, got to get the dose right. Just and sonking someone out. the determination of yeah. that I didn't want my life to be like that. Yeah. But, but just sonking someone out isn't necessarily... No, not at all. Isn't You know, it's got to be... No. I, I, the way I'd look at medication, it's like jump leads. If your car's battery's flat, it's good to get a jump lead. But once the car has started... You take the jump leads off. Yeah. I think it can help to clear the f to clear the fog, but then you yeah. know, equally, I've got, I know a couple of my friends are on a very low dose, and they stay on a very low dose, and it just keeps them takes the edge out, out of the darkness. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm on a sertraline for kind of OCD yeah and um, I was really against medication wasn't I mm. I wouldn't go on it and um, so many people are, are like what you, what, what's it like should I go on it does it change you as a person does it take everything away and it doesn't but it just puts it to the back of your mind a bit more it just gives you a bit more clarity to be able to fight those demons they're still there but it, but it gives you that slightly bigger window to to kind of challenge get, them. to challenge them yeah yeah it, it gives you space yeah it, it's gives hard you space. work it's hard work challenging mm. them you, you know it's not it's not an easy journey you know whichever illness you're, you're challenging so i think obviously we'll do a whole podcast on medication absolutely um, which i think is really important I mean, the more knowledge the um, more knowledge we can get out there yes and what if it is severe Severe clinical depression. I did an interview with a lady called Lynn Wilmington, who you'll hear on a future episode, and she had the really super clinical one. Um, and it's fascinating to hear her story, and that, that will be coming up. Uh, not on this, not on this episode, but that will be coming up. But if it really, if it, you know, if it's a hospital, what's the word? Hospitalized. Some some people are. If, are if you need to be hospitalized, hospitalized for it. Hospitalized, but I mean, you know, again, um, which I didn't mention in the mild or moderate. You know, different. There are many different types of therapies as well, which people can engage in, and again, they're quite unique to themselves and obviously it depends on how the therapist approaches it and you know obviously there's got to be a mutual trust between both and um and a relationship built up um but therapy can play a huge part in helping you to unfold what's going on in your head um so that can also be used for mild and moderate um but clinical they do prescribe medication mm. along with therapy mm. Um, and often or not, it is the person's own sheer determination to, you know, get ready to blow the, or blow, or shove the black cloud out of the way. So um, I'm sitting here, I'm looking in, looking, I'm three feet away from you. And as, oh and as you said that, this, this flash of strength just flashed across your face. It's incredible to see. It's, it was a, that was just a magical couple of seconds, that moment. It, mm. That strength is there, girl. Mm. It really is. Oh no, you, you, I you see, have. I see you, have, you. I see and you. you know, when and you, you when you go to therapy, you you know, you're you should in part come away with strength yeah. to be able to fight the thoughts. Say your ethos. Arrive with hope, leave with strength. I like that. So when my clients come to me, they arrive with hope and they leave with strength. See, um, the thing of depression, it lies. 
Does any mental illness lie? It's all mental illness. The the truth of who we are is positive and wonderful and and all these sorts of things, I've I've come to believe. Uh, But depression will lie. It will tell you that you're useless. It will tell you that you're worthless. It will tell you that you're a burden. It will tell you that you can't do things. It will Mm. tell you that the world is better off without you. And they're the sort of thought. I can assure you it's not. Uh, No, me too. Big time. But it lies. Maybe a, a way of maybe challenging these thoughts is, this is a bit of an NLP technique, is to give them a silly voice. I know it might sound a bit, I'm not, I'm not being crass, but if, if you've got this voice in your head saying you're nothing, you're worthless, it's sort of this attacking, nasty voice, you know, which you're taking seriously. But if that voice sounded like Mickey Mouse... Or, or, or any politician they that you wouldn't do that believe. in an NLP um, that. course that I went to. Yeah, they gave yeah. um Or you can put that. I mean, there's a lot of NLP um, techniques and strategies that that can be used um, to help. To they're more visual or or, or mm. um, audio where you can put the voices into a balloon and float the balloon away and pop the balloon. Or, or you could give it a silly soundtrack, like, yeah. like, a, like a circus theme or the Benny Hill theme, if you're old enough to remember that, or some wacky kind of theme. And it just kind of reframes it in your brain. And the, and the effect of it is you just go that's ridiculous and then and then mm. you, then your strength comes through you go that's ridiculous i don't take that seriously this is bullshit and you can call bullshit on it but know this depression is a liar it lies it will tell you these hideous things about yourself Sam's none of it none of which are true i have a thought come to my brain well please let's it's hear not it a bad one um spew it, uh, just com- just going back to, I can kind of compare it to OCD because OCD lies as they, they all lie, but mm. I say out loud the thoughts that come to my head, and um, and I've watched documentaries on other people having it, and it, it, you know it's like if I don't if I don't move this ornament in the right place, my grandma's going to be in a car accident. Mm. That's a complete lie. Mm. Um, and if you say it out loud, I saw someone having therapy for it, and he was saying it out loud and out loud. I think he had it about his son. Actually, and um, and he was like, "This is ridiculous," um, and it really helps. And I think, like you said, with the depression thoughts, I think with any mental illness, it is all made up and and, and lies, isn't it? Mm. So mm-hmm. I think if you say it out loud, or if mm. you say it to someone, sometimes I'm embarrassed to say the thoughts that I have to someone because I know they're ridiculous. And um, like I'll say them to my fiance, and he's like, "That that's crazy." I'm like, "I, I know that's crazy." Um, but, yeah. in, but to the person, it seems mm. so real. Yeah. So mm. recovery has to come. The strength has to come from within. Mm. And mm. it's all very well me sitting here saying that, or all of us saying that. But sometimes it is harder than than anything else in the world. So, you know, my advice would be to you to, to just look inside you and just say to you, do you want to stay like this forever? No, of course you don't. And, and you know, somehow find the strength and courage within you mm. to face it. And get the help you need. And get yeah. the help you need. And get the help you need. Helpwithdepression.com forward slash resources. There's some good starting points for you there. Uh, once again, the Samaritans number, uh, not for depression, for anything that's bugging you, 116123. Uh, absolute pleasure to give that out. We've got a wonderful interview coming up next on Hope With Depression. With Dion. With Dion Curtis. She's, uh, My dear an, friend Dion. An NLP practitioner. That's yeah. neurolinguistic programming. Yeah. We touched on that a little bit. She's um, very, very good. A while ago. And hypnotist as well. Mm. Have a listen to this interview. Enjoy it. If you want to get in touch with Dion, she's on the resources page yeah. as well. Meantime, Lynn and Sam Crilly, thank you so much for coming in on thank the podcast. You. There will we'll be more. see you during the week. There yeah, will be more. They will yeah. be back on this podcast. So uh, another wonderful interview. Thank you so much. This is Hope With Depression the podcast. <laughs> Hello, Dion Curtis. 
Hello, love. How are you? All right. How are you? <laughs> I'm very, very well, thank you. You're rocking those headphones, I have to say. And, thank you so and, much. And thank you. And you're just getting used to the microphone because you're an NLP and hypnosis person. That's great. And you're in a radio studio, and, we've, and you've been here 15 seconds, and we come up with a name for a radio show for you already, which is Deep, <laughs> deep Down with Dion. Deep Down with Dion. Yeah. So you're getting into this. You're going to get the radio bug soon. You're going to want to come and do more of this. I think I might actually. And thank you for my M and S jelly fruits as well. I love these. I sure. You're very welcome. Because I thought, I looked at the chocolates and there were so many Mm. And I thought, oh look at those, they're unusual Perhaps you hadn't had any So bless your heart, thank you Anyone that brings me jelly fruits, you're a friend You're a friend (laughs) for life And a contributor How do you you know Lynn Crilly by the way? Order of Hope with Depression Um, Well obviously she hasn't told you our story And I'm not going to tell you our story Because it was 30 odd years ago and she keeps repeating it um, we met in, let's say, not such good circumstances at school, and apparently I was quite terrifying. She oh. was quite scared of me. Oh, right. <laughs> um, so, so you're kind we... of balancing your karma, really. <laughs> yes. well, that <laughs> is, is that what's going on here? That's exactly what happened, because many, many years ago, I wasn't such a, a nice person as I am now. And Surely troubled, not, Dion. A troubled youth and all that sort so of stuff. So you didn't bring everyone jelly fruits and love and, love and sparkles everywhere you went? No, oh. no. I think I was possibly quite an angry young female, but there, there's obviously reasons for that. Of so. Course. But it gave us gave me a good insight into into how people feel, you know, when things aren't so good, how you react, mm. um, and to find better ways of doing it, really, which is where I started. Um, and then we went off and did life, and I got back to back in touch with her probably about ten years ago now, I think. And you were doing the therapy at that point. And um, I just started. Mm. I just did um, some neuro linguistic programming, took mm. a course in that, which mm. I found fascinating. Oh, it is fascinating, isn't it? Um, and then we kind of got together, and we were talking about various bits and pieces and that's when I also fell in love with hypnosis because mm. as part of the neuro-linguistic programming you do a little bit of hypnosis mm. and it's just like a taster mm. um, and when I discovered the unconscious mind and that you only do 10% of what you do is done or t- yeah. between 10 and 20% of what you do is on a conscious level yeah. I thought to really get involved with the good stuff you're going to have to go to the unconscious yeah um, and it's and i absolutely love it a whole new fertile field of possibility to explore honestly it's just i wish it was prescribed on the national health an hour of hypnosis a week would put you completely back in balance a whole relaxation um exercise for you is and that it, all it takes yeah really is, is it actually it really is it, it depends on what's you know, what problems that you've got or what issues that you're facing. But if you think about the modern world that we're in at the moment, everything's so loud. We're rushing, we're rushing. We never stop doing everything all at once. You know, if you're not going to work, you're going home. If you're not, if you can't relax because you're being a parent, you've got to be the best parent that there actually is. You know, whenever does pe- do people ever get time to actually switch off their mind and just t- take a breather? We don't. You know, we're talking about mindfulness, and my, I love mindfulness, mm. and that's basically the same sort of thing. You're mm. being present, you're thinking about one thing, mm. whereas with hypnosis, it takes it a stage further. Mm. You're actually switching off your conscious mind, and you're allowing your unconscious to sort of sift through everything that it needs to sift through, because we all kind of do know the answers to the problems that we, we have in our life. It's just whether we get the time to actually process that, and if we can look for tools in order to help ourselves. And with hypnosis... And there's a huge, huge myth about it. You know, Paul McKenna, adore him. He's Let's wonderful. just clear this up. It's not all about making people dance like chickens. No, no, I'm, no. I'm sure more and more people know that now, but we, we better say that. I did see Paul McKenna's hypnotic show. It was very funny. Oh, he's amazing. Isn't and, he? you know, and that, he's gone away from the stage hypnosis now, and he does an awful lot of good work. There's loads of stuff with the books that he's written. He's absolutely incredible. Yes, he is. Um, but, yes, he did give us all quite a bad name in the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think... 
what I say about hypnosis is if you wouldn't do it in your everyday life while you're awake, you won't do it under hypnosis. No. It's not possible. No. Um, because if it was, you know, I'd go down the racetrack, get the um, Sheikh Mohammed's uh, credit card number, take out a million pounds or get him to sign me a million pounds mm. off and mm. uh, tell him to forget all about it and off I go and live a very merry life. It mm. doesn't happen. No. It's not, you know, and, and you're not, Every, people also think that you're actually um, unconscious, completely out. And that's not the case either. No. So it's, how would you describe it then? Is it a deep state of relaxation when you're... Well, it's... If you can imagine, say, I don't know, you make, might wake up on a Sunday morning, whenever you've got a lie-in and you just wake up and you're not quite awake, but you're not still... You're not asleep either. You're somewhere in the middle. Oh, that lovely in-betweeny stage. That's exactly it. Oh, that I like that stage. <laughs> exactly. That in-between, where the dreams are very vivid... Yeah. And very fast. Yeah. And they make no sense, but they make complete sense. Yeah, and you can hear you can hear life going on around you. Yeah. But you just don't care about it. And that's the unconscious. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's lovely. I mean, it's in, so it's a natural state. It is, and it's been much humans, maligned. Uh, yeah, exactly. But for years and years ago, the um, hypnosis used to be used in for operations. There was a doctor mesmer. I don't know if you've heard, heard about being mesmerized. Which is where you get the word mesmerized from. Yes, exactly. Absolutely, yeah. And he was doing great work with operations because he, he would put people into trance and he was before the mortality rate was something like 90, 80 or 90 percent. When he was doing using trance work it got down to about 50 and he was making great strides. But then chlorophyll Chloroform? Chlorophyll? Chloroform. <laughs> chloroform. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what chlorophyll is. Um, I don't know. Came in, so there was no need to put people into trance because then they could actually put them, make them like physically unconscious. So that well, kind of all went well, out the Was window. that necessarily a good move, moving from sort of natural processes to drugs? I mean, because you hear terrible stories about legal drugs and what they can do. I mean, should we be using this mind stuff more? And let's just rewind that. He was doing operations with people with no anaesthetic in trance. Yeah. 100%. And that's the power of the mind, folks. You have... If you can think... When you look at your mind... Or you think about your mind... I mean, people who have mental illnesses... Their minds are really, really strong. But they're strong in keeping them in the wrong place. What we do... What I do with my hypnosis and all these other... You know, the other contributors to the book... And all the different therapists... We take that strength of mind and change the direction of it, change the way that you think about this stuff. This is the NLP coming in, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Mm. <laughs> I'll be hipping all over the place. <laughs> you could change the, If you change the way you think, then you can change the way you feel. If you change the way you feel, you change your behaviour. Yeah. Um, and your mind is so, so strong. If you think about ladies, you know, uh, for instance, my mum, she's never done a physical um, thing in her life. My sister had an accident, car accident, Good. and in front of her was a fence that was about four foot five, when she saw my sister being hit on, um, on the zebra crossing, she ran, full pelt, actually just put one hand on the fence, vaulted over the fence to get to my sister. Now, if you'd asked her to do that, um, sort of just off the car, oh, go on, Mum, can you jump the fence? I'll give you 20 quid or whatever. Or yeah. If you could have given her a million pounds, there's no way on earth she would have been able to jump that fence. It's like you hear stories of mums lifting cars off babies that have got stuck under cars, that, that strength comes from somewhere, and, and it all comes from, our, from ourselves. Exactly, from, from our own mind. minds. But I suppose the mind is brilliant in the sense that it can do that, but it's, it's, it, it can be our greatest friend or our worst enemy, because in NLP they talk about strategies, don't they? Yeah. Uh, an awful lot, and you can have a good strategy for doing something or a bad strategy. I mean, people, 
So I've done some NLP, I've done NLP as well. Oh, fabulous. And people, so we, we can talk in that language if you like. Uh, <laughs> but, but people would say, I'm not confident. And I'll, I'll go, yes, you are. You're really confident about being not confident. Yes, so you're th- super at it. You're su- in fact, you're so good you're at so it. You're so good at being confident <laughs> about not being confident. <laughs> we just need to make you confident about being confident, not about... Not not being confident, you exactly. Know. And, and then they see it that way and they laugh. But it it just shows the mind is is powerful. Use it wisely, exactly. Um, or use it, just use it. With going back to to what we were saying about strategies, and mm. you also move towards your most dominant thought. So if you think that you can't do something, then guess what? You you can't do it mm. because that's your belief. Mm. And again, with with the NLP, it's about changing people's beliefs about themselves. Mm. And we can we can pick stuff up as we go along. You know, you're born with two two fears: loud noises and falling. And the rest of it's taught, isn't it? Yeah, or mm. picked up. You don't you don't necessarily people don't even have to teach you. You can you can kind of absorb it from someone that you love or someone that you care about. It could be one little silly action that's happened to you, and your brain gets it. But what your brain is also really really good good at doing is forming patterns but like I say it doesn't differentiate between a good pattern or a bad pattern it just forms patterns Mm. and sometimes when we have all these different kinds of illnesses we're stuck in a pattern and with NLP and with the hypnosis that we that I use it's about breaking those patterns it's almost like you know putting a clog a spoke in the wheel and saying right stop there we're not going to do that anymore yes how about if we did it this way yes and get people because also what your brain does everything it does for you it does with positive intention yes um, and it's all to do with about being about your survival because obviously your brain is this wonderful, wonderful thing that's it's supposed to keep you alive. And the way that it does that is by causing behaviour patterns which it thinks are best for you mm. that don't put you in danger. Mm. But it doesn't. It's not actually very good at telling which ones are going to put you in danger, which ones aren't. Mm. Um, and again, that gets stores in your unconscious. So mm. you know, if you think about it, when you're born, you learn how to breathe. You're a clean slate. And, and you don't actually... No-one has to teach you how to breathe ever again. No. It's in there. Mm. Again, same as when you're walking, you're talking, you're doing all this kind of stuff, all these patterns you've got off like that, and your unconscious does, does it really, really quickly. Imagine the same thing in the phobic situation. Something happens to you once, and it causes a trigger of emotions, and it can cause a panic attack. Then the next time you get yourself into that situation... Your brain goes, hold, I know, you don't have to do anything here, I know exactly what we do, we yeah. go to panic. The same, and the same pattern's going to fire off. Exactly. It's just, it's, so it's good intention, it's just a little overzealous, yeah. shall we say. Yeah, but it's really, it thinks it's because you're, gonna, you're putting yourself in danger, mm. so if you're putting yourself in danger, then you don't want to do that anymore, so that's when it fires off the, the mm. response to it. And it's not proportionate to the danger that you're in because basically we're primal beings and our instincts although we've evolved over so many years our basic instincts are still primal which is we we talk about i'm sure you've heard about the flight and fight um, fight and flight yeah uh i'll freeze that's it if you i heard deepak chopra talk about it he called it the four f's and he said you know the primitive man it was the four f's it was Fighting, fleeing, feeding, or or reproduction, <laughs> which got a laugh from the audience. <laughs> but it's did, pretty true, though, isn't it? It's true. I didn't know about the last one. Hey ho! Did you not? Each well, to their own. I'm well, sure yeah, it well, was. Yeah. <laughs> but that's we spend a lot of time in that now as well. So because that you know when we were primal beings, you that's basically all you had to worry about whether you were going to run away from something, fight something, you know, and all the panic responses. Well, this this raises an interesting point because. Um, you know, this is why I think there's a lot of burnout and stress because the dangers so much nowadays aren't physical. We're not being chased by leopards on the plains and stuff exactly. like that or saber-toothed tigers. It's 
I think we were designed to have a stress response for a short period of time to give us that burst of adrenaline and cortisol and then burn it off by running away or fighting or, or doing one of the other two. Um, but now the stress is there, but it's got nowhere to go. The boss chews you out, unpaid bill, the kids play you up. Yep. And that stress builds up in the body, yep. but it's got nowhere to go. And that, you've hit the nail actually exactly on the head there. Yeah. Because it was supposed to be for such a short amount of time. Yeah. And again, going back to the response, it's because the brain sends a message to the adrenal glands on, the t- on top of the kidneys. They mm. pump the blood around because your big muscles need to be full of blood if yeah. you're going to do run away or fight. Mm. Still now, it's still pumping the adrenaline around, but you've got nowhere for it to go. Mm. And I don't know if, you, if you're aware, but every single still on every single mental health list of things that you can do to help yourself, yeah. the number one is still exercise. Yeah. And that's there for a reason. If you're mm. building up all of this adrenaline and it's not going anywhere, it's go somewhere. if you run really fast or if you spend a, a little bit of time in the gym or even if, even if you do like power walking for 20 minutes, half an hour, mm. you're bringing those levels of adrenaline back down again. Yeah. So you're putting yourself back into neutral, back into balance. And I think sometimes in the fast life that we lead, just getting ourselves back into balance is a lot, basically, sometimes all that we can achieve, especially because life does get rubbish at times. Mm. You know, you can't stop everything. You can't, you're going to have to have a certain amount of stress and you're going to have to deal with it. But it's teaching people, giving people the tools to say, okay, yeah, life is rubbish today and it might be rubbish tomorrow and the next day, but let's bring ourselves back into balance. Let's try and give ourselves a little bit of relaxation to take the pressure off ourselves. I agree. And then once you're back in that balanced state, then you can start making more informed and positive decisions particularly with your you know the interventions with the NLP maybe seeing something in a different way and I think when we're in that relaxed state we're much more open to the creative insights and that's when things can really change isn't it because the unconscious is a storehouse uh, you know for all the creativity as well it's it's so it is it's a fascinating I mean we could talk forever about it and never get to the bottom of it it's (laughs) it's clearly you're really passionate about it uh, which is wonderful so someone comes to you Dion and they go I'm really depressed I'm really really depressed and you sense they really are down I mean you know you know someone's run away with their you know the wife the husband you know the dog died they've got no money you know whatever it's life is just crap at the moment yeah where would you go with that how do you help people is there hope with depression Always. There's always hope with depression. And depression, I think, it depends on how deeply someone's in it. Um, and normally when someone comes to me, typically uh, it would be to get out of it. So they've recognised that they've actually got the depression mm. and they want to do something about it. That's mm. when they would come and seek me out. Mm. Um, and I think it's because that's the hypnosis side of it. And I think mm. they've kind of perhaps been to lots of other different things and they're, they're tired of being tired mm. all the time. And with me, it would really depend on what is causing their depression because there is always a trigger. There's always something that's happened. And what I would do is spend a little bit of time chatting to somebody and finding out, you know, where, when did it start or whereabouts did it start? And some people don't actually know and that isn't always necessary for me to find out what actually caused it, mm. perhaps just the time that it started. And looking at the behaviour that they've got and trying to change their behaviour with them. And, and that can take... It depends on who they are and how long that they've been in depression as well because some people will recognise it quite early. Some people have had years of depression and it's almost like they feel that it's actually who they are. And I start with sort of saying this is not who you are. Depression isn't you. Depression is some behaviour patterns that you've Fascinating. picked up. Fascinating. I mean, Lynn Crilly, the author of the book, she, she articulated this beautiful 
And they identify, because they identify with the depression, they feel like depression is them. But mm. no, it isn't. Like I said earlier, you know, you're born with two fears, loud noises and flying, and all the rest of your behaviour is picked up along the way. And some people have really, really, really good reasons for being depressed. They just can't, and then they're stuck in that behaviour, and they're kind of on this, like, hamster wheel that goes round and round and round, you know. They go to bed feeling bad, then they wake up feeling bad, and it's keep... You keep on doing it and doing it and doing it. Sometimes you have to say stop and, and start somewhere else. And sometimes it's just little wins every day if you can wake up and think about something different. And also what I would do straight away in their very first session with me is to put them in a place of deep, deep relaxation because although depression makes people very, very tired, they are exhausted by feeling it. And with one session... You know, about 20, 20 to 30 minutes of deep relaxation in hypnosis is the equivalent to about, they say, 10 to 12 hours sleep. And that starts to make them see that, yes, they can relax. Yes, they can put their mind to something else and remem- remind themselves how wonderful it is to feel wonderful. And also, what It's I, good to feel good. And also what I do with them is, if you, as an example, if I said to you, Neil, give me the five worst situations in your life, you'd probably be able to go one, two, three, four, five, this is me, that's it. And then if I said to you, Neil, okay, now give me five really, really good memories or times of your life, the best times in your life, and it would probably take you a little bit longer to recall those. Because we have a negativity bias, don't we? But it's a negativity bias, but it's because, again, it's your brain saying, remember this shit because keep it you hurt safe. you. Keep you it safe. It keeps you safe emotionally, physically. Yeah, keep you safe. I always remember a story that stuck with me about Jerry Halliwell when she was in the Spice Girls. All right. I, li- I used to like Jerry. I know she got a lot of stick, didn't she? But I, I used to like her. I liked Jerry as well, actually. I thought she was out there and open and just wore her Who'd, heart on her sleeve. Who just she? didn't care. No, I, no, I always liked Jerry, but I just couldn't admit it at the time, but I'm old and more mature now, so I can. <laughs> I actually fancied her a bit as well. I could never admit that at the time, but I did. Yes. Now, that's a step too far, honey. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. No, it's not. <laughs> she's Actually, I think she's much... Have you seen her lately? She looks absolutely stunning. Yes. Happiness has done her the world of good. What a lovely phrase, because <laughs> she's glowing from the inside out. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the important thing, because yeah, all of this is an inside-out thing, isn't it? So, and it shows, yeah. Yeah. And you think about what she used to look like before. Mm. And it'd be quite interesting, actually, to see her at the height of when she, you know, when she did that, when she was not very well and she had the little small, she went tiny, 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 didn't she, mm. for a while, and she wasn't very well. Mm. But to see a picture of her then as to what, She's like now. Mm, she's blooming now, and, it, yeah. and, it's, and it's nice to see. Yeah, but absolutely. She, but back to the negativity bias. She was standing in front of I don't know ten thousand people, and you know, on, she was on a balcony waving. You know, and you know, the Spice Girls were at the height of their fame. You know, back in the mid nineties, and you know, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine people are, are cheering, and one gave her the finger. Now, which mm. one do you think she took away? The one who gave her the finger. The one who gave. Why don't they like me? What's wrong with me? What's da 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 da? Because our internal voice can be very cruel as well, can't it? Well. You don't actually, and, and it's 100% true that, and what you don't actually realise, sometimes you don't even know that that's what we're doing until you, you become, someone makes you consciously aware of that. And I would say, if you talk to yourself as you would like a four-year-old child, if you were saying to the four-year-old child, if they were sitting there crying or feeling really unhappy, you wouldn't say to a four-year-old child, for Christ's sake, snap out of it, what's wrong with you? You've got this and you've got that and you've got Barbie and you've got that. You should feel much happier. Why are you mm, crying? Mm. You wouldn't do it, would you? No. You'd say, what's wrong? Come mm. on, things will get better. Mm. OK, let's go try and find something else. Yeah. And if you speak to yourself in that way and give yourself that much respect, 
then it changes the way that you feel about stuff. Mm. And it changes, and you have to realise, you know, you are, at the end of the day, the only person that you have. Mm. And if you're going to be horrible to yourself, you know, you, you need to change that. Mm. You've got because, to love yourself. Yeah, and you've got to be your best friend. I know it's very cliche, but you do, actually, because most people are actually blooming lovely. Mm. And they've just, they've just got some awful kind of rubbish that's gone on in their life, or people that are being mean to them, and you just... You know, give yourself a break. Be yeah. kind to you. And I know everyone goes, I'll oh, be kind to you, but you have to. No, it's true. Because without self-love, you've got nothing. And you've certainly exactly. got nothing to give anybody else, have you? And I look at people, sometimes I talk in, in the job that I do, I get people that come in that don't have a very good self-image. And, mm. and we ask them, what do you say to yourself when you look in the mirror? And some of the things that they say, you just wouldn't. And I say, OK, can you say those out loud now? Mm. Now write them down. Now your best friend's standing next to you and she's probably got the same physique as you or the same sort of attributes as you have. Would you say, dream of saying that to them? Of course you wouldn't. No, of course I wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. So it's not OK to do that to them. It's not OK no, to, to do, do it, it to you. yourself. No, no. no, of course it isn't. No, you've got to honour yourself, haven't you? Mm. Uh, I mean, in, in the book you contribute um, TFT, thought field therapy. Uh, I've heard of this, developed by Roger Callahan. Uh, tell us a bit about TFT then, because this is your, your contribution to the book. TFT, uh, as I said, it was Dr. Roger Callahan. He's unfortunately he's passed away now, mm. but he did an awful lot of research into work into it's called thought field therapy, and the basic principles because I'm not very technical and I don't have big words, so I do it very simply for everybody. Is there's 14 acupuncture pressure points around the body, and if you can think about whatever issue it is that you have in your mind then you can form something called an algorithm. And all that is basically is a pattern that you tap, an order that you tap the acupuncture pressure points in. And it relates specifically to whatever you're thinking about at the time. So say if you had a phobia about um, flying, then you would tap in a certain um, order for that. Um, if you had anxiety, you'd tap in a different order for that. And as you're tapping you're changing the energy around your body and in tapping that way, then it eradicates the thoughts. And again, we go back to if you can take away the thoughts, you can take away the feelings and you take away the thing. If you take away the feelings, you take away the behaviour. And then you go back to, and then we default back to our natural state, which is joy, yeah. which, which is feeling good. Let's have a listen to a testimonial. You, you, you treated someone, I don't know if it's his real name, uh, someone called Simon with TFT. Let's have, let's have a listen to what he said about it. I had suffered from depression on and off for some time. I already had tried several complementary therapies when I found TFT. What I liked most about it from this form of treatment was that there was no side effects and although I went into the session feeling a bit apprehensive, I was surprised and amazed that it works for me. The tapping was easy to follow and I was given a leaflet of exercises that I needed to do. I would highly recommend this treatment for anyone who wants a natural treatment. It changed my life and gave me the tools I needed to keep my symptoms at bay. So you're busy at the moment. You're doing a lot of this stuff at the moment. People must be beating your door down for this stuff. Well, this is the thing. I also I, I do a little bit of pro bono work for Macmillan Cancer Trust. I don't know if you're aware of them. They have oh, a, yeah. a East Surrey Hospital. They have um, a holistic centre, just holistic, nothing else. Is that, I didn't know that, do they? Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. And it's purely, it's, it's with, in combination with the hospital and Macmillan, um, they have two full-time employees who manage the centre and everybody else are volunteers. So we've got, I'm their resident hypnotherapist. Mm. We do have... Um, counselling, we have coaches, we have Reiki, we have aromatherapy, uh, massage, 
yoga, art classes. There's a running running um, club that goes out from there. And we all give our, like, an afternoon or a day, a week or every two weeks, mm. um, just purely for the people. And what's so nice about it is it's inclusive. It's not just the people that are suffering. It's their carers, their siblings, their children, absolutely anyone who's affected by the cancer. Um, and I do that, and it's... Because this work, obviously, you have to have a passion for it and you have mm. to love people and want to help people to get, you know, have a better life, mm. you know, feel less less in pain and more in joy. Mm. Um, so, but also you've got to charge for it, right? Mm. So when you go to, to Macmillan, you get a whole, you give the whole thing, you know, it, it, because you're doing it to people who need it the most at the worst, one of the most terrible mm. times of their lives, whether it's them or their partners. Um and you give it with love and you give it for free and they are so appreciative of what you're actually doing and your actually time being there. Mm. It's just most wonderful, wonderful place to be ever. Um, and I don't know if, any, wow. if, if you've never been in there, they, they welcome anyone to come in and have a chat and it's just such a lovely... The whole place has got such a beautiful energy and mm. I hate talking about energy because then I you know, might get my gongs out and start chiming or something. I don't actually have any gongs and do any chiming, but... <laughs> but it'd be OK if you did. I mean, I get, I get <laughs> yeah. energy, I get vibes, I get, I get good feeling, you know, good feeling. If, if lots of people are feeling good, it's going to create a collective energy of people well, feeling good, you know, it, it, it's it's... Wonderful. I mean, if you think about it, everything living on Earth has a form of energy because we're all energy and we're all creating waves and we're all creating vibrations. So, if we had a little bit more or a lot more of good vibrations, and there it is out there, it's just I I feel a little bit sad that a lot of stuff, the good stuff, isn't reported, um, and a lot of the bad stuff is. But it's good that we we talk about the bad stuff because we don't ever want to go back to the days where mental health issues were never spoken about. You know, yes swept away and put in the corner and no one ever got any help and no, no, one, no, no one could ever get any better. No, got to, got to acknowledge it, but not dwell in it, I think. And, and, no, to, and yeah. to know there is, to coin a phrase, hope with, with, exactly. with depression. And with cancer too. I mean, I, I know these, a lot of these treatments can be very helpful in people healing from, you know, from surgery or, yeah. or, or even, even the disease itself. I've heard stories of people that have... I've heard stories of people that have visualised themselves back to health. I mean, I know it sounds out there, but I've, I've, I've read the accounts. They definitely are, and... and the treatments now are changing as well. They're, they're sort of starting to incorporate the way the, uh, the body's own immune system. Immune and, therapy, yeah. And, and boosting the, your immune system. They're having fantastic results with that. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's just life is tough. Mm. And it's how we get through the tough bits. And, and, and again, I was, one thing I was thinking about before I came here to have a chat to you was, mm. you know, well, in this modern day, everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to be this and this and best this and best that and live their best life and do everything. I don't know where that came from. I think it's a, I think it's a really weird expectation. So what's to your this. philosophy? My philosophy is life is okay, and normally you like rock along. Sometimes you're going to have something fantastic and brilliant and wonderful happen to you, and other times you're going to have something really awful and terrible and and and, and really sad. Mm. It's what you do with the bits in the middle, you know, the bits that you, you just have a nice everyday life, and if you. Do what you like to do. Do what you love to do. Mm. And just spend some time being you. Mm. And being nice to yourself about being you because you're not horrible. (laughs) You're basically a lovely person in there. You've also got a real faith in humanity. That's lovely. Well, if you just look around you, there's so many people. I mean, look at what you're doing right now with the podcast and everything else. Mm. You know, how amazing are you? Thanks. Would you think that? 
I think I'm fairly cool, actually, yeah, to be, to, 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 to be honest with you. But I'm a radio presenter and I have a hideously big ego. But, <laughs> but I, think, I think basically humans are, are kind and wonderful. And, I, and I, nothing anyone's going to say is going to make me think any different. Obviously, there are people that aren't, some of them. And I think everyone's, some people have had good breaks and some people have had bad breaks. And I think it's up to the rest of us to, to help them all through. Yeah, absolutely. See, I'm so egotistical. I've got, I've got jingles that say things like this. Oh, Neil Long, it's no wonder you're the star of the station. You see, so, that's, <laughs> <laughs> so actually I do think I'm wonderful, but nobody else does. <laughs> Well, I think you're wonderful. <laughs> oh, 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 bless your heart. Well, it's, it's lovely to see someone that's so kind and compassionate and yet so passionate about about what they do. Because you've obviously seen it work. Yeah. You, you've obviously seen it work time and time. And, and it must be. And I suppose you must want to shout it from the rooftops. Look, there is hope. Our ologies have advanced so much. You know, yeah. psychology is not men in white coats and Freudian no, stuff and no, fancying no, no. your mother. It's not about that anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, if, if it ever was. Um, it's, you can stick your Oedipus complex where the sun doesn't shine in it it's about proactive change it's, it it's about change that can be f- for you yeah and finding what because we interviewed a lovely healer lady called um anita wisdom uh she have you heard of what Ax- a name i know it's so cool wow. isn't it a wisdom could you imagine that at the exam time a yeah. wisdom well we haven't got a chance she's gonna ace it <laughs> <laughs> yeah ex- exactly right have you heard of the bars access consciousness Access. No, no. Oh, it's it, again. It's a wonderful. It's a wonderful energetic discipline, um, and she she says it's always about asking the question. It's asking yourself, and she says, "How would I like to get over this? What would work for me?" Because yeah. we're also individual. We're also bespoke, mm. and just be allowed to make our own decisions and to have people with no agendas to be able to facilitate that for us and give yeah. us a space, a non-judgmental space, where it's okay to feel what we feel. Yeah. don't have to feel it forever, but it's okay. It's just giving people space to be, giving people space to feel. And you... I see more and more and more of this, and it's a wonderful thing. And as well, because we all get over things in different ways, in different times. You know, some people, if you think about people grieving, some people will wail and holler and carry on, and other people will bury it deep and it will come out years later. Who's to say either of them are wrong? Mm. Well, just support them. Mm. Support them and help them and give them the tools that they need to get to back to wherever they want to be. Mm, you know, exactly. it's and it isn't rocket science. Are you more about healing or about coaching? You give people a compelling future to move towards, or is it more about sort of healing, healing the past with you? Or a bit of both? It really depends on them. Mm. Everybody, every single person is, is unique, and the set of problems that they come to me with are unique. Mm. And it will be whatever they're feeling on that particular day. And mm. sometimes I might have to have them come back, because where someone starts with an issue, if, they, if it's kind of kept going and going, it can be a little bit like a snowball effect. Mm. And what it started with, they, it's not what it is, ends up with. Mm. So they sort of pick stuff up along the way. Mm. And then sometimes it's taking it back to the beginning and getting rid of that for them. And then they may come back because sometimes, again, it can be a little bit like an onion. When you're mm. opening different layers, something else pops up which they hadn't even thought about. Mm. Um, so it depends. Some people want to see where am I going, what am I, how am I going to end up. And I always do give them a little bit of visualisation because, again, if I remember what I went back to, you move towards your most dominant thought. Mm. So if you wake up in the morning thinking, oh, my God, today is going to be dreadful then you look for stuff to kind of reinforce that belief. Reticular activating system. Exactly. And all that, yeah. But if you wake up in the morning, you think, actually, today is the day I'm going to start and it's going to change. And you carry on thinking that. Then you're looking for things to make the changes and make it different. Well, that didn't happen yesterday. How wonderful that is today. So I always give them somewhere that they're going to end up. 
and somewhere that they want to be, but it has to be from them. They have to tell me what they're looking for when they come in and who, and who and where they want to go. You yeah, know? absolutely. Because I always ask them, what are you hoping to get out of this session? Mm. And then again, I can see, if, is it a realistic expectation? And we can deal with that right at the very beginning. Mm. But I do know they do change does happen. In my, and it can be fast. In my session. It yeah. is rapid. It can be rapid. And, and it evolves over time as well. I give them exercises, breathing exercises to take away. Mm. And also I give them stuff that, you know, if, if things do get overwhelming again, try this exercise, do this exercise, mm. bring yourself back into balance. So I don't mm. kind of just kick them out the door and say, that's it. And if they've got any problems again, I'm in touch with them over the telephone mm. after sessions because mm. I, I believe sometimes just having a chat again and reinforcing what you actually learnt during the sessions and, and that they are on the right track and everything's fine. Mm. You know, sometimes when, when you take something away from somebody and give them new behaviour patterns, it's a little bit like, oh, I'm not completely sure. Um, is this me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's so nice. And seriously, when, when I, the, the greatest joy for me mm. is when someone comes in like, you know, a little bit scowly and a little bit feeling, you know, like they've had, like, life has kicked the shit out of them. Mm. And when they go back out and, and they, sometimes they look 10 years younger... And it's just for me, Isn't that's that just wonderful? that. Get, I'm just like, that's, it's, it's that's my job done. It's when they get that soft glow in the eye yeah. and the shoulders relax and people do look younger. It's uncanny. Yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely, it's, it's almost like, and I don't want to sound like I'm from California, but it's almost like their spirit shining through again. Absolutely. And it's like, there you are, that's who you are, and now you've remembered I who see you, are. you I see you, I, I knew you were in there. I see you, yeah, <laughs> peekaboo, you know, they, there you were. And also, one, one other thing with me, uh, with the therapies that I do, especially after hypnosis, mm. what clients say to me is they go outside and everything looks brighter. Yes, that too. Everything, it's, very, it's like someone switched the lights on again. Yes. Not that they knew they were off, don't get me wrong, but they go out and it's like the whole world looks brighter. And fresher. Yeah. And more vibrant. Yeah. And more stimulating and more exciting and more fun and more full of possibility. Yes. Instead yes. of the doom and gloom that it, you walked in with. Yeah. It's, in, it's amazing and incredible didn't, and I didn't, love it. Didn't Wayne Dyer say when you change the way you look at something, what you look at will change? Yes. And that could be your mantra too, couldn't it, almost? In a Actually, way. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> no, thank Wayne Dyer. I didn't. I didn't. That's know that. care of Wayne Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy of Wayne Dyer. So you got any big dreams you're going to fulfil? What's what's your ridiculous, unrealistic dreams? What, what's what what haven't you done that you'd love to do? And what would you what would you like your legacy to be? I mean, I, you've got a brilliant one already. But if you were to take it further, I would love um, to have a place where people could come, like a, a place like you were talking about, where they could come and just be who they are. Mm. That was funded without having to worry about it. We were talking dreaming big, right? Um, yeah. That was funded that no one had to worry about and no one had to pay to come in nice. because oftentimes the people with the biggest problems don't have any money. Um, You're the kind of Patch Adams of NLP. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of are. I don't know about that. I just think in a, in a nice you world... You want your own height, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, you do. Have you seen the film, by the way? No. <laughs> oh, Robin Williams. Oh, it's brilliant. I've, he I've heard of Patch Adams. I haven't seen the film. Gesund it's wonderful. I'll have to watch it. Oh, it's absolutely one. It's Robin Williams and uh, Bob Gunton who play... You've seen Shawshank Redemption? I haven't. Do you know what? Oh, no. Please don't make me do the sharp intake of breath where you haven't seen the Shawshank Redemption. <gasps> Seriously. Bob no. Gunton, he's, he's basically a miserable sod. He he's, he's the, he's the, runs the hospital and he's going to do it his way and it's all protocol and it's not supposed to be fun. And then <laughs> Robin Williams comes in and starts acting and the clown. And screws the whole thing up. <laughs> but in a really deliciously, endearingly good way. But again, that's the same... Another thing with the NLP that they talk about, if you can smile mm. about your the problems that you're having, if you yeah. can smile and laugh about them, then that changes you 
in your brain to how you think about things. Oh, yeah, wonderful. So that's why, I mean, I do, I use a lot of laughter, even though the subjects sometimes aren't funny. The way that we look at them sometimes in order to make them funny. But the way, yeah, I mean, I've, um, I used to do some wonderful sessions with people that they come in with a problem and we give it a different soundtrack, yeah. for, for example. So when, you, when you're looking at your problem and you're hearing, for example, circus music or the Benny Hill theme or something ridiculous like that, you can't take it so seriously anymore. Then the laughter comes and then, of course, the laughter's much lighter. Yeah. And then the insights come and then, the, and then looking at something in a different way comes and all that sort of thing. I, d- I do that with, um, I used to do that with panic attacks. Oh, yeah. So we say, um, what's a funny word that you can, you can't, you, that always makes you laugh? Scallops. Scallops. So I say, okay, Neil, so uh, you've come to talk about your scallops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how often do you have a scallop? Well, like a good scallop in the morning. <laughs> exactly. sometimes, sometimes when I'm not expecting them, I have a scallop. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a little one in the afternoon if I can sneak off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you start to talk to, about that because obviously these are, these are, this is behaviour yes. and we're going to get rid of the behaviour. Yeah, yeah. So already when you're thinking about it, instead of thinking panic attack, which mm. brings on all of these awful, dreadful feelings, yes. you're thinking scallops, which makes you smile and makes you laugh. Exactly. So you're already beginning the change. Yeah, panic schmanic. You know, it's, it's exactly. Yeah. Because because humor, I mean, you're not doing it to be distasteful. Humor no, is, no. is a wonderful healer. Yeah, and it's, it's it's all about changing your mind about the way, changing the way you think about something, changes the way you feel about it. So if you're putting a smile on your face when you're thinking about your panic attacks, mm. they're not so big and they're not so scary, and mm. already you're perhaps believing that you can get rid of them, that you can change mm. them. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, it's it's fas- it's fascinating stuff. Oh, we could isn't go. It? How long have we got? Oh, <laughs> forever, forever. Because I mean, I think it's also important to point out. I mean, you're a thoroughly modern day therapist, you know. And it, it for psychology. I mean, I'm sure this is fairly commonly known, but just in case, you know, it's not about men in white coats. It's not lay on no. the sofa and and drag up your childhood again and again and again and again and again. Because when L- when NLP was invented, I think there was something like 150 different schools of thought of psychology in California where mm. it came from, and nobody was healing anybody yeah. so there was 150 different schools of thought arguing about who could fail best basically <laughs> and then and then richard bandler who was one of the co-creators of it i mean he was basically the bad boy genius i mean he ran with he the motorcycle incredible. gangs but uh, yeah a genius bad boy genius it yeah. sums, sums him up you know and that his partner in crime john grinder he couldn't be more different he was a linguist i mean you read one of richard bandler's books it's in the language you're using now you read mm. a john grinder book by page two he's using words like epistemology and you're like gee <laughs> lost me right there John exactly but but you know it's not it's not dry and it can be a lot of fun it can be an awful lot of fun it doesn't have to take a long time it doesn't have to be painful and it does and odd that it might sound or maybe not it doesn't have to be serious yeah it doesn't and again it depends on the people that you're working with Mm. you know there's some people that will approach it in different ways Mm. um but yeah I and don't get me wrong I'm not for everybody and this is, what, again, what I wanted to say to you, Neil. Sometimes if you're looking for help and you go to one hypnotherapist or one NLP practitioner or one SITAP practitioner and they're not for you, it doesn't mean that the therapy isn't for you. No. It might mean, it just might mean that you'd have a personality clash with that one. Don't be... stop there. No. Go to somebody else. Shop around. Yeah. And even, you know, a therapist of... If it's worth their salt, and it's which is like me, I always have a conversation with people, have a twenty-minute conversation, 
to find out whether I can work with them or whether I can't. Yeah. And if I can't, I'm not going to waste their time. And I'm sure you pass them on to... You know, exactly. You've got a network, I'll give I'm them sure. a rep- recommendation yeah, of somebody of that I think that they can work yeah, with. Yeah, absolutely. And encourage them do to go down the route. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's all the, you know, the magic of this you know, wonderful, diverse environment we, we live in. There's not one right way to do anything. Because that's no. a trap as well. There's, there's one right way. That's a huge trap. No. Isn't it's, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Got... Oh, dear, it, yeah. It, it, it's been fascinating, fa- <laughs> fascinating talking to you, and you're clearly passionate about what you do. Um, so, there's hope with depression. I know I asked you before. I was going to ask you again. Is there, is there, is there hope with depression? One hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. Just because you're where you are right now doesn't mean you have to stay there. Go and talk to somebody, anybody. Have a look. You know, hope with depression. The wonderful thing about that book is. You can look through all different kinds of therapies and they lay out what they do. Yeah. Have a, have a look, see what you think. If one doesn't resonate with you, another one might. Go and uh, check them out. And, and there's, you know, one, one size doesn't fit all. You're no. a unique individual human being, yeah. but there's no need to be stuck. There's no need to be suffering with it. There is help out there. You just need to reach out and find it. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. And where can people reach out and find you? Um... I'm my email is Dion at whatiftherapy.co.uk. D-I-O-N-N-E. That's right, okay. as in Warwick. Of course. <laughs> Who I was actually named after. Um, or nice. if they want to check me out, my website is www.whatiftherapy.co.uk. Whatiftherapy.co.uk. Dion Curtis, thank you so much for coming in. It's now, been a it, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. You perhaps won't get rid of me. Thank you so much for having Who me. Who says we wanted to get rid of you? <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Hope with depression the podcast.